Marketing Café with Tina, Peter and Wagner. Your casual providers of marketing knowledge. Hello and welcome to the Marketing Café where we discuss marketing research in a casual way. Hopefully we will provide useful insights for marketers, store managers, owners of sole proprietorships, consumers and students. My name is Victor and I'm your host for today. Together with me is Tina. Hello. And Magna. Hey. We are Norwegian master students that are in the final stages of our double degree in strategic marketing from BI Norwegian Business School in Oslo and Louise Gudukarli in Rome. This is a pilot project in which we are launching three episodes at once. We hope you like it, and if you do, then we will make more. Today the Marketing Café is located in Rome. In Italy! <laughs> Thank you, Magna, for that vital information. <laughs> oh my god. Today's episode is about Internet of Things. Tina has done some research on the topic and will be the lead academic contributor, and Magna will serve as our third wheel and sidekick. Since I'm hosting Marketing Café today, I need to stay sharp to lead the episode forward. Therefore, I've lined up three cups of Café Dopio that will be consumed during the show. What are you drinking today, Tina? As I am the academic contributor, and since I'm going to talk about Internet of Things, I have pre-ordered a coffee americano on the Marketing Café application before we got here. So you got a cold coffee then? No, my coffee is warm and fresh. And you needed to stand in line and wait for a coffee, and I did not. Hmm, maybe I should do the same next time. What are you drinking, Magna? You know, since I'm the sidekick for today, I think it's important to stimulate creativity. Therefore, I'm drinking a Negroni. Uh, since Marketing Café is indeed about marketing, we will start with a simple definition to get all of our listeners on board. What is marketing, Tina? The American Marketing Association defines marketing as the activity, set of institutions and processes for creating, communicating, delivering, and exchanging offerings that have value for customers, clients, partners, and society at large. To clarify what Tina said, marketing can also be explained by the STP framework, segment, targeting, and positioning. The idea is that companies identify needs and wants of different groups of customers, decide which segments they want to target, and position their goods and services in the market. The positioning part entails decisions about designing brands, products and services, building brands and driving demands with market communication, and delivering finished products and services to the customer. And most often, the organization's aim is to make a profit. Thank you for these clarifying statements, guys. As you heard in the definition, marketing is a very broad topic. Therefore, in each of these episodes, we will focus on one subtopic within marketing. As said earlier, today's topic is Internet of Things. And Tina, you are writing your master thesis about Internet of Things. What is that all about? First of all, Internet of Things means a network of devices that are connected to the Internet where the devices can communicate with one another. Let me explain it through an example as well. I know you like to bike, Victor. Yes, I do. So imagine that you're training towards a goal, say a cycling race in the Italian mountains. To be able to climb those hills, you need to train a lot. And during one of your bike rides, the bike's shifter mechanism gets a little unreliable, making it difficult to use the full range of gears. More energy than expected is required from you, Victor, to cycle. Oh no. Right. 
Getting home is not an issue. However, you have two problems. First, repairing the shifter. And secondly, getting a bit more nutritional fuel to maintain this desired quality of the ride. Using technology, the shifters may be repaired by using a bicycle internal diagnostic mechanism, which identifies the problem with the shifter. After, the bicycle engages the internet and communicates the need for a shifter part to your personal hub computer and database. The personal hub considers time to delivery, part cost, and other relevant factors and sends out an order or put out a bid request. The deal is made and the part is ordered. That is awesome. Yes, it is. The second problem concerning nutritional fuel engages a different set of system and processes. Victor is wearing clothing that keeps track of vital signs such as heart rate, hydration, body temperature, energy use, muscle strength, training zone, and food processed. This information is processed in real time by insurance providers to assess compliance with agreed premium or to apply appropriate fees in accordance with activity and diet. A mapping system is monitoring current location and can find places to obtain food or beverages in addition to calculate the distance to a destination. The health system and mapping system coordinate in determining the additional energy needed by Victor and where to acquire nutrition and maintain the necessary energy level. A course to the retailer is mapped, as is the ensuring route back home. Fantastic. If this type of clothes exist, I really want them. Mm -hmm. This example illustrates quite well, after my opinion, some issues that Internet of Things have. Could you guess what some of these are? I'm thinking that it's uh, maybe hard to ensure that all of these aspects uh, work together at the same time. Uh, furthermore, I might have some concerns about my privacy while using these uh, devices. First of all, it sounds very expensive. Furthermore, Victor needs to trust the devices and devote time to learn how it works. I think that these services need to be easy to use so that people actually use them. Yes, exactly. In my thesis, I am exploring barriers against Internet of Things adoption. My research also entails some of these issues that you mentioned because people are not buying smart objects, and at least not as much as the industry expected. Can you believe that? Uh, no, not really. Yes, I can believe that. Many people might be scared to let big corporations handle their data. This is exactly what we will discuss now, particularly possible reasons for why people are reluctant to adopt Internet of Things devices. More specific, situational barriers, and individual traits. But uh, what is uh, situational barriers, Tina? It is obstacles directly and personally associated with the consumer. For instance, privacy and security issues, which will be discussed extensively today. Interesting. Uh, what do you mean by individual traits then, Tina? Uh, individual traits mean specific characteristics consumers have. For instance, technology readiness uh, or openness to change. Okay, so uh, the concepts that we will be discussing today is uh, barriers, adoption, individual traits, and privacy and security then, Tina. Yes, correct. But why should marketers care about uh, this Internet of Things thing, Tina? It is stated that Internet of Things will bring benefits to the environment, society, individuals, and businesses. Oh yes, I saw a commercial in Norway from a telecommunication company where they in installed the Internet of Things devices in an old person's home. In the commercial, they showed how a smart home device could enable the old lady to continue living at home. For instance, 
she could ask the home where her purse was to raise the temperature and the flowers water themselves. She also had a robot vacuum cleaner. Yes, I saw that too. And it's a good illustration of what businesses can do to help consumers in their everyday life. Further, Internet of Things will also create new jobs, deliver services in a cheaper and better way, provide opportunities to innovate and offer new services and solutions to existing problems, enable businesses to develop closer relationships with consumers, and allowing businesses to more thoroughly understand how consumers interact with their products. Tina, I know you have been Googling some cool Internet of Things devices. I've been looking forward to hear about them all day. Come on, tell us! <laughs> okay, I've found many funny devices. So first, someone has invented a telegarden where you can plant seeds from anywhere in the world with the help from a robotic arm and internet connection. <laughs> uh, uh, but why on earth would I like to plant seeds in my garden at home when I'm on vacation? <laughs> yes, indeed. A bullshit idea. Also, someone has invented a smart water bottle that glows to make sure that you never forget to drink your water again. Apparently, the concept of drinking water when you're thirsty is unfashionable now. Yes, that's what I'm always thinking. I really don't bother drinking because my water is not illuminated. But I'm thinking, wouldn't it not be more clear if the bottle just slapped you in your face when you were supposed to drink? If you have problems drinking, I mean. (laughs) Okay, I just need to tell one more. Yes, you can tell many more. Okay, it's funny, but I want to hear about what previous literature says about Internet of Things as well. But yes, one more, we have time for that. Great. So this one could actually be quite useful. There's apparently something called wireless diapers. What? Does this imply that most diapers are wired? Wireless diapers have an embedded chip that sends SMS to the child's parents when the diaper is wet. Phew. But Tina, what does previous research really say about Internet of Things? Previous literature has made attempts in detecting barriers against Internet of Things adoption. However, most previous literature has used qualitative research methods. To clarify for our listeners, can you, Victor, explain the difference between qualitative and quantitative research? Yes, I can, Magna. Uh, Qualitative methods imply that researchers collect uh, non-numerical data, for example, through an uh, in-depth interview, and tries to understand the phenomenon from people's experiences with it. On the other hand, quantitative research collects numerical data, for example, through experiments or surveys, uh, to infer correlational or causal effects between variables. But Tina, you used quantitative research, right? Yes, I did. When I tried to find new barriers against Internet of Things adoption, I used both the Internet of Things literature, which I called topic-specific barriers, and the innovation literature, which I called non-topic-specific barriers. I sent that a survey to test eight topic-specific barriers. These are privacy and security, ease of use, self-efficiency, value, novelty, price, intrusiveness, and dependency. Also, I tested four non-topic-specific barriers. Interesting, Tina. Let's start to hear about the topic-specific barriers against IoT adoption. Of course, Victor. So first, security and privacy. This means that some people are afraid of companies getting too much knowledge about them and using it to increase sales or selling their private information to third parties. Bettina, I have received a lot of emails lately from my subscriptions, such as Facebook and Instagram, uh, where they want me to upgrade my privacy terms and conditions. Is this related to this barrier? 
Yes, it is. The reason why companies ask you about this is because of the new general data protection regulation. They are made to ensure that companies do not mistreat your personal information. Nice. That's very interesting. Yes, Internet of Things is quite interesting. Do you remember the initial uh, example with Victor and his cycling ride? Of course I do. I was in it. Yep, I do. Nice. Yeah, so Mayne mentioned that uh, it needs to be easy for Victor to use the service. That is what I mean with the ease of use barrier. Also, before Victor bought the clothing that could track his energy levels and so on, he needed to be confident that he would manage to use it in the correct way. This is another barrier that I've tested, named self-efficacy. And you, Magne, mentioned that it sounded expensive. I also tested if price is a barrier for Internet of Things adoption. Further, I mentioned dependency. This means that some people do not buy smart devices because they are afraid to get dependent on the device. Just like me and my phone. <laughs> <laughs> Further, from the Internet of Things literature, I also wanted to test if novelty, intrusiveness and value perception impact Internet of Things adoption. Novelty means consumers' perceptions of how new and original the product or service is. Intrusiveness refers to when consumers perceive the product or service to be irritating, indiscreet, and disturbing. People might not want all their household devices to provide beeps and messages to their phone. Value perception is the degree to which consumers perceive a product or service as beneficial. Interesting, Tina. I saw a meme the other day that exemplifies uh, this value perception barrier. Uh, it showed a smart fridge from Samsung with speakers that could control your smart home. And then someone commented, does it have room inside for food too? <laughs> that is a good example of someone who does not see the value uh, of the smart refrigerator. Yeah, uh, but Tina, you also talked about uh, non-topic barriers. Those are related to innovation, right? Yes, they are. These are risk, knowledge, network effect, and uncertainty. Risk means consumers' evaluation of negative outcomes from using a smart device. Knowledge simply refers to consumers' knowledge about the smart device. Network effect refers to the added value of technology when increasing the total users in a network. And uncertainty means that some consumers may not buy a smart device as they do not fully understand the functions and its consequences. And that makes them uncertain. Ah, thank you. I understand now. No worries. I have also mentioned individual traits. This includes consumers' innovativeness, which means consumers' willingness to try new things and be pioneers, but also consumers' optimism and having a positive view of technology. On the other hand, consumers can also feel discomfort when they have lack of control over technology and insecurity when consumers distrust technology and do not think it will work properly. Do you guys like to try new stuff? Yeah, um, I really like to try new things, uh, but I usually avoid these very initial stages when uh, the bugs are not fixed yet. Uh, however, when I'm very interested in the category, for example, with fly fishing products, I might also be willing to adapt the product very early uh, and I might also provide feedback to the producer. I also like trying new things and are in general very open to new products. With that in mind, I usually don't purchase these products as it requires money that I don't have at the moment. What I mean is that there are other factors that prevent me from purchasing these new products. The hard life of a student. <laughs> Interesting. 
As you might know, I have tested how these barriers influence adoption. And I also made segments to see if barriers differ between segments. I've also measured consumers' individual traits. Maybe they are similar to yours. My main objective was to describe and explain the association between barriers and adoption. Therefore, I conducted a survey with 150 participants with a so-called descriptive design. Are you curious about the results? Which barriers do you think differ between segments? Yeah, I'm really curious about the results. Uh, I believe that maybe uh, privacy and security uh, differ the most between segments. I think they're the same that Victor said, but I will also like to add price and dependency. Yes, you're absolutely correct. Hope I did not reveal the answer in the beginning when I said that we're discussing privacy and security extensively. No, we're just smart. <laughs> yes, you are. Since the topic is so fun, I did a study too as well. Oh, you did. What did you test in study two, Tina? Study two looks more into the privacy and security barrier. Specifically, it focused on a subcategory of the privacy and security barrier called collection of private information, which entails the degree to which a person is concerned about disclosing private information for companies to collect. Examples of private information could be name, date of birth, or credit card information. Uh, interesting. Why did you choose to look more deeply into this barrier in particular? So in my first study, the results showed that collection was an adoption barrier only in the segment I called smart device likers. Naturally, in the segment I called smart device lovers, collection was not an adoption barrier. Therefore, the primary aim for study two was to solve the collection problem, referring to why some Consumers allow companies to collect their personal information, while other consumers do not. In addition, I also wanted to find possible solution for this collection problem. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, how are you testing this? I have tested whether two specific factors will lead consumers to allow collection of privacy information. The first factor is high versus low control over private information. And the second factor is self-benefit versus others' benefit. Uh, what do you mean by control and uh, what do you mean by self and others' benefit? Control means whether consumers feel they are in charge of their personal information. More specific, when consumers have high control, they will have the chance to opt out when they want, change their privacy settings easily and decide who has access to their information. On the other hand, low control means that consumers might not have the chance to opt out when they want, it's hard to change privacy settings, and consumers might not have control over who has access to their private information. Further, self-benefit means that companies give a benefit to consumers who disclose their personal information to the company, such as discounts, personalized shopping experience, or, as in my scenario, personalized training and nutrition plans. Conversely, others' benefit means that other people get a benefit if one consumer discloses his or her personal information. This could be tutorials regarding new training methods to other people, not you. So, you're testing if high control leads to more collection, I guess. But what about benefit? Which one is best? So I hypothesize that self-benefit will positively affect collection and that high control will moderate the relationship between benefit 
and collection in a positive way. Um, for those of your listeners that is not so familiar with statistical terms, uh, a moderator means a variable that affects the direction and strength of the relationship between the independent variable and the dependent variable. But Tina, have you tested these hypotheses in the same way as you did in study one? No, actually not. To test these hypotheses, I've used a causal design, which is a conclusive research where the main objective is to obtain evidence regarding cause and effect relationships. The main method of causal research is experimentation, which is also used in my study too. Since you use experimental survey, how did you manipulate these two independent variables? I used a between subject design, which means that I had multiple groups of respondents that read different scenarios. The two independent variables had two conditions each. So I had four groups of participants that received different scenarios, but answered the same questions afterwards. But Tina, how were these scenarios designed in particular? So in the high control scenario, participants were informed that they could decide which information the center receives, how it is used, and also they were informed that it was easy to change privacy settings. In the low control scenario, the participants were informed that the training center will manage the personal information and the participants will be unaware of what it is used for. In the self-benefit scenario, the participants were informed that if they disclose the personal information, they will receive personalized training and nutrition plans. In the other benefits scenario, the participants were informed that if they disclose the personal information, other members of the training center would receive tutorials regarding new training methods. Okay, Tina, I really look forward to hear what you found. I'm glad to hear that you are interested in the findings. But before I reveal them to you, what do you believe were the findings? I would guess that benefits would help if the company wants to collect more information. Uh, I believe a self-benefit is better than others' benefit. Yes, under some conditions, this is correct. More specific, the findings show that benefit significantly influence collection. And as you said, Victor, self-benefit is better than others' benefit. Furthermore, control moderates the relationship between benefit and collection. However, this effect is moderately significant. These findings show that if consumers have low control over their personal information, companies will need to provide consumers with self-benefit in order to justify their collection of personal information. Oh, nice! Tina, this makes me think of a meme I saw the other day. It was a picture of some businessman laughing maniacally, and the text was as follows. And then I said, We respect your privacy and do not share your data with third parties. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that this is not the general attitude in businesses. Regarding access by third parties, I have also tested if control and benefit lead to less worrying about improper access. And the results show it does not help. Hmm, that sounds like bad news for the companies then. Uh, but of course, uh, the concern for information being shared with third parties is indeed understandable. Uh, but Tina, should we conclude anytime soon? Yes, I can do it now. In conclusion, I just want to say that it is important for companies to know about and understand the barriers consumers face when they consider to buy an Internet of Things device. 
If companies know about these barriers, it will be easier to overcome them, which in turn could lead to higher revenues. I sincerely hope that this discussion about barriers and Internet of Things has been interesting for you. And I really hope that you have learned something. Unfortunately, now today's episode has come to an end. Thank you very much for listening to The Marketing Café and have a lovely morning, day, evening or night. See you around. said in the beginning of this episode we will launch three pilot episodes episode number two that mine is responsible for is about robots in service encounters and episode number three that victor is responsible for is about brand related false news feel free to check them out finally we really appreciate to know what they dislike or appreciate a podcast so please rate the podcast and feel free to send your opinion to marketingcafe18 at gmail.com